Kiera stole that on the other episode when she was on. Oh, I forgot I a pin. That was really cute. Yeah, Matt, the next one. did you check? Is that on the, is that on the system checklist? <laughs> yeah, pens in the checklist. Oh, that's good. This is your go-to pin, Pilot? Yeah, I just have a, I order a million of them. I had a fancy pen once, but then I lost it. I'm like, I'm not isn't doing this anymore. I do and Sharpie, so. uh, but like the thin one, like the Sharpie one of these. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm a big fan. Not the pen point. <laughs> uh, they look just like this, but they're solid black. Yeah. And then I used to journal in the ones that were like the felt pen um, made by them. And it, I can hear the scratch on the paper, on yeah. that kind of paper. What happened? I used to like it. Uh, use that pen? They were more expensive. We're on a budget. Oh. Listen to the episode with Kira budget oh yeah go back <laughs> yeah these are pretty cheap and i order them like crazy i lose them like crazy and yeah. so but i always try to have one should one of our systems checklists be before we start to look write your notes down or what are you just thinking in your head or? i just there's a couple things i want to make sure i ask about what are you drinking electrolytes <laughs> Land Shark electrolytes. Yep. Available yeah. exclusively at the Land Sharks. Yeah, it's our new brand. Training facility, it's Land Sharks Movement Company uh, on Turner Road in Lower Sac. That's how I describe where you are to everyone. Turner Road in Lower Sac. Other side of where Salisbury's is. I say where the old Salisbury's is. Yeah. Because Salisbury's not there anymore. This is genuinely really good. Yes. You should come get it here. It's homemade. It's Kirkland. Better, it's better than the liquid IV had th I had this morning. Better ingredients. Dude, you're going to be so hydrated. All right, how are you doing today, Matt? I'm me, doing great. You asked me about my mind space. What's your space going on in your mind? My mind space is good now because I have accountability in the form of coming here mm -hmm. and doing this conversation and doing our Wednesday night discussions we talk all about. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like that keeps me on my toes. Okay. Like I feel like, I feel like the times where I've fallen off the path I've been off the path a lot longer. That time off the path now is a lot shorter. Just because you're instantly reminded? I think it's because of the accountability of like, I need to get my mind right to come in here. Mm -hmm. I need to get my mind right for Wednesday nights and then like Tuesday and Thursday training at this facility. Yeah. So uh, I think that's one of the biggest benefits that you've had on my life. Well, I think that and then Sunday is church. Sunday's so church. You're like yeah. set up. That's a good point. I was, because this week I did, did not make it and I was missing that. And I listened after you're saying, hey, why don't you listen? Once again, this goes back to you. Yeah. So. Well, you're not just me. This is you. I'm but. just a, a voice inside. You're doing the stuff. I wanted to take this opportunity. Yeah. You know, we've recorded a few of these. We've mm -hmm. gotten some feedback on it. But I think we do need to do a good stake in the ground and say, this is who we are. Okay. Welcome. Um, and then I just, I have something specific I want to ask about this place, but I want you to get you talking about the Land Sharks Movement Company, how that came to be. It's an interesting story. You've touched on it here and there, but I think we need to do the whole deal so you can point to this and say, this is, this is where we got to where we are today. This is the OG. Yes. And I hope it's not the end, yeah. right? I don't think that we've had it all or we have it all, yeah. uh, but I do think we are on a path and I'm very excited for the journey, which I think is the most beneficial thing that I've learned over the years is that to not keep thinking about what's next, but think about right now and enjoy this conversation and take that for what it is and be very present. And so I think that's one thing that we probably should touch on and yeah. how that's helped out in my life. But introduction, what's Let's your name? Let's start with me so we can get yeah. you rolling. Enough. Okay, so uh, where should we start? 
I think it's important to know that you and I went to school like since kindergarten. Since together. kindergarten at Victor Elementary School. Yeah, and like grew up like a mile or two away, which is really country close neighbors. In the country. Yep. Um, I think that's some important context. Uh, I'm married, have three kids. That's great. Married my high school sweetheart. Okay. Um, I work in real estate, uh, manage real estate. Um, that real estate management led me to an awesome side project, which I've chronicled and will be shared with you. <laughs> uh, uh, Pick to Porch Farms with me and my wife um, operate, which we deliver the best premium local fruit to you. Um, usually the same day it's been picked. So uh, it's a fun project. It's going uh, awesome. Uh, looking at where we are this December, last year we were thinking about, oh, do we do gift cards for cherries? And with no idea of kind of doing any other fruits and kind of where we are. It's kind of cool to take a step back. And what are you guys that. doing for the holidays? Well, we've been do doing a gift box. We have about another week or so that we're going to be kind of selling and experimenting with this gift box. So far, it's been great. Um, my wife, she set a goal. Like, I want to sell I want to sell enough to pay for this arch that she wants at her house, which is like this giant ornament. Okay. And it's like something you can't justify the expense, but it's like a goal. She's, so she came up with this idea for the gift box. She's like, I want to sell enough to do my arch. I said, okay, that's about 15. So if you sell 15, you get your arch. So she sold 15 and she's sold a much more than that. But now she doesn't want the arch. <laughs> so now she's earned she it. She wants more. She's, she no, wants it's, it's the, this is the thing of like, when you, when you set a goal, when you earn it, it's uh -huh. like, well, that arch is only gonna be up like a month out of the year. Mm -hmm. Like I'd rather invest in something I enjoy year round. And so it kind of like setting those boundaries a lot of times, you know, really makes you take a look at like, what is it that, you know, allows you to be content, so. What's in the really holiday gift of, box? I was really like, proud of it. And where do they get it? I'm just curious. Uh, we have apples, um, which is kind of the start of the show. Uh, those are from uh, Eli's apples. Okay. Um, and we have persimmons, walnuts, um, our honey, which has been really popular still. Everyone likes our honey. And uh, quarter olive oil. We were fortunate to work with them. They don't really work with resellers, so um, we're able. We, but we don't, we wanted the best olive oil, so. Mm -hmm. um, Anyways, that's been going great, and you can get those boxes at picktoporch.com. Picktoporch.com, and how much are they? $49. $49, and they, you will personally, hand if they put the address on there, you will deliver them. it to them. So if any businesses we out there deliver. are like, hey, I want to get this for my employee, or I just need a gift idea, it's mm -hmm. super cool. You guys' presentation is top-notch. Thank you. It's un... Like you, she did a great job. She did. You guys sent the pictures. And I was like, actually really impressed. Like, when you open it, it's like, whoa, this actually looks really nice. Um, and so I was very impressed with her designing it, all of it. it's all hers. All about the presentation. That's a, a, a joke that I'll probably take on later. So um, at the beginning of this year, um, I kind of set out with a theme uh, for the year of year of hard. And I've, I've been thinking a lot about that because this time of year, I start thinking about next year. It works really good because my birthday is December 18th. And so a lot of times, whatever you're going to do for the new year, you kind of want to hit the ground running. And so having my birthday there is like, okay, I'm getting everything in place and thinking through everything but by December 18th. And I looked back at my notes, and since last year I was talking about the progress we made with Picked a Porch and we couldn't imagine where we were, um, I was not working out with you this time <laughs> last year. I was, you know, floating around, very unstructured. And one thing I wanted to really pursue this year um, comes from a proverb about, you know, training like an athlete. And so I was like, I want to train like an athlete by the end of the year. And I didn't know what that meant or what that looked like. I wanted to feel that way. Uh, we initially set it out like a Spartan race. Like this would be the way it would be like a Spartan athlete. Mm -hmm. um, and looking back, because of the structure you provided, um, out of nowhere, you've created this from the ground up. Um, like I get to lie to myself and say I'm training like an athlete, you know, twice a week. Plus, I've built this great habit. I, looking back to my notes, it took me years 
to build this habit. Um, but I set a goal uh, to train every morning, and this was part of my goal from last year, and I've finally done it where it's a habit, where I wake up without even thinking about it, and I go out and work out. And what that looks like now is just work out till I burn 300 active calories on my watch. So regardless of what that looks like. So sometimes it takes me 40 minutes, sometimes it takes me, this morning it took me 24, because I was really getting after it. Um, but I attribute that habit, I attribute the training I've been able to build, and the really thing that I've been able to identify as a successful year is because of this, uh, to the Land Sharks Movement Company. So from there, I kind of want to hear about from you. I think you should introduce yourself, and then let's hear about how we got to here. Well, I'd like to first say okay. that you did all of those things, right? So like you made it a priority. You uh, reflecting and looking at yourself did the things that needed to be done. Right? I was just someone that potentially held you accountable. The Land Sharks Movement Co. were something that held you somewhat accountable because even inadvertently you didn't even know, or I didn't even know, but you didn't want. Um, that was just something that was holding you accountable. And so you did the work, right? It's not like I was there at your house waking you up in the morning. I wasn't there doing the things. You made the decisions. And I think that's an important um, topic to touch on because a lot of people will go and seek to go get this stuff. But it takes something within yourself. I will say one thing, though, and push back and I'll shut up, is okay. that oh, in, life, if, in life, if you, if you could fix your own problems, you mm -hmm. would have done it. You never would have gotten in trouble in the first place. In life, sometimes you need a guide, and you've been that guide on this journey. And so as much as, yeah, I've put in the work and built these in, but um, having the accountability and this kind of structure to work within, like you've, you were a guide with a plan, and that's worked out great for me. And so I appreciate that. So We'll agree to disagree. Yeah, okay. okay. Uh, my name is Lucas Garrett. Uh, I am also married. I have two wonderful children and an amazing wife. Uh, Kiara has actually been on this podcast. And my two wonderful children are six and three. Uh, and they are the best things that have ever happened to me. My wife is the best thing, I guess, before them. So it goes wife, then children, and our dogs. The best thing. And I guess my other family. They're, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, dogs are way down the list. I mean, come on. Let's be real. I mean, so when we moved to Texas, we had my, my wife, my two kids, and our dogs in the truck. And that's all we needed. So that's why I think I go re revert cool. back to that. But we all into ultimately move back because of our family so that because we want to be closer to them but uh that's a little bit uh about me my wife and i have uh very much had fitness and uh, kind of not self-help but going out and making ourselves better each day and in doing that in conjunction with each other have made us into people that we thoroughly enjoy being around i absolutely love my wife i love spending time with her where i'm stuck with her all the time because we work together we live together we drive together we do everything together and so i'm very thankful that i have that opportunity um what else do you want to know about me uh, i own a gym with my wife the land sharks movement co we have a couple other things that we do my wife is a cpa so she has her office in this building. We have the Junior Land Sharks program. And then just recently we've uh, filed and officially started a nonprofit. Uh, and so that's kind of our, our multiple things that we are doing, the Junior Land Sharks in schools by motivating kids to move, not just kids, but everybody individually uh, out in the world to try to get them to move. We have the, the gym, this location, the brick and mortar where people come and work out. And we continue to meet amazing people that come in here and get motivated and work out. 
and then um, the Land Sharks Running Club, which is another DBA, and that Land Sharks Running Club, we meet every Tuesday and Saturday. We do track workouts, and we do kind of group runs on Saturdays, and we go out to races and do all those things. Uh, we do events where, for instance, this Friday we're going to get together, and we're going to go and do a Christmas light scavenger hunt. So our goal is everything that we promote or do, we want it to involve movement just to kind of show that it's fun to do these things. So I guess that's kind of a, a big, the backbone of the Movement Co. Uh, to do those. We have four pillars of health that we like to kind of base all of our actions on. And we do physical, so we want people to move more often. We do mental, we want people to confront their problems. We want people to talk about their problems and we want people to identify these problems and not even, not if they are problems, identify the positive. We have financial, just because my wife is a fantastic CPA and she's very smart. Uh, and I think finance is just planning and being prepared and practicing. And then we have spiritual. It doesn't mean God. It doesn't mean Christianity, Catholic, being Buddhist, whatever it is. I think of it as the feeling that you hear inside you, you um, are aware of it, and you have time to have deep thought about it. So if that's meditation, if that's walking in silence, if that's doing a physical activity, being aware of those things inside of you, I think is kind of what those four pillars are. So physical, mental, financial, and spiritual. When was, when did this start? When was this first a twinkle in your eye that this could be a project for you and care to work on? So when you and I talked about this topic, I've in my journal, uh, I wrote a timeline on the, I was like, okay, this is how I'm going to look at it. So I was looking at a timeline and I started it in 2005. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, I didn't start this in 2005. The timeline started in 2005. Okay. But then I realized I was writing it in my journal again. It was in 1995 with my obsession with sharks. And I was on the sharks team. And I didn't have a swim team. A swim team. Oh, yeah, and I so that. I used to draw sharks on people's backs. And so that's how my obsession. Uh, what obsession with sharks started was drawing sharks so that the other team when they were swimming behind us could see our backs we have big old sharks on there and I, i've drawn probably hundreds of thousands of sharks on paper i've just been obsessed with them and then however goes on and then in 2005 i was told pretty much i wasn't going to be a runner my dad was a very well-known athlete down south and did really well in football and baseball and uh he told me if I wanted to be, I asked him, I said, how can I play like offense and defense? He goes, I went out for the track club or track team because I was a terrible running and I wanted to learn how to run. So went out to the track team, talked to them, didn't really work out as I wanted and uh, just being told that I couldn't do it. So then I took that and kind of used that as a, a motivator on my shoulder or a chip on my shoulder to help motivate people and make sure that no one ever tells anyone that they can't go run or do a movement or can't be something and so that kind of stoked the fire so over the years uh, I mean I went through like every job every place I moved everywhere I lived and it was kind of funny to think back about all the things that have happened but then you kind of get into 2019 is I was training for a um, the to qualify for Boston Marathon and I had a captain at the time and uh, jokingly said, hey, I'm, I'm going to try to run a sub three-hour marathon. And he goes, no, you're not. You can't run a sub three-hour marathon. And that's all it took. And then I just got super motivated. And uh, I pretty much wore out the treadmill at the fire station. And then um, I ran. And then we did a, 
the, we ran a sub three hour marathon and they ended up coming to the race to kind of watch it. And I got to like, he shook his, my hand and whatever. Uh, and in, in doing that training, I wanted to run with people. And so I started the land sharks running co. So I started a club. We met every so often just because I was, my schedule at that time just allowed me to do that. Uh, and so I was never very consistent. And so we would do that. I hosted track workouts, but hardly anyone came. Um, and I would always like let people know that I was going to do them. And if they came, they came, if they didn't, they didn't. I was generally doing a track workout once a week. And then, uh, I left the, where'd I go? I went to Texas, this whole thing. That's a whole nother story. We were going to open a gym in Texas. So I started talking to, uh, friends of ours, uh, friends at Fulcrum Fitness. They had a gym. I asked them about their business plan, their business model, what they did, how they liked it, uh, advice. I talked to coaches at that gym. I talked to physical therapy companies. I asked them what their square foot size was, what their business model was, what that was in this town of Lodi, kind of picking and choosing ideas. We ended up getting um, in touch with a real estate, a commercial real estate person, and we're looking at places in Texas uh, to start a gym. And we were going to start the the same thing. It was going to be Rule 3 Fitness. And uh, when we then we decided to move back. We moved back. It was very apparent that the easiest way to go was to be get back in fire because I had a leave of absence and do that when on probation an opportunity came up where uh, a gym asked me to come and kind of help and be a coach there and I love coaching and so I did that with full disclosure to them I was like hey we wanted to kind of run our own thing we wanted to do that and so we we're going to work together to make that happen things just didn't line up like I wanted to own my own place and they didn't want me to own their place and so which is great I wouldn't want anyone else to mind. So then we went and we're like, hey, we got a spot. Uh, actually, we didn't even have a spot. We got on Black Friday a year ago. We bought all this equipment that's behind me, and we didn't have a place to put it. <laughs> we just had our garage, but we knew we were going to get a gym. We just didn't know how big. And so we did that, and we had a boatload of uh, gym equipment in our garage for about four months. And then we got our space. That was the perfect size, all the stuff that we needed. And then this happened. We got the keys to this place. But we couldn't technically move in until about, I think, April or May. Then April and May came around, and we opened July 15th. So it's been open for just about six months. And here we are. I think you kind of have a unique approach here. Um, can you talk about a little bit kind of the semi-formal nature of the classes and the, um, your ability to kind of keep track of everyone and make sure you're providing this kind of hands-on experience they can't get anywhere else? Yeah, I, I'm a big believer in uh, group classes and like private and semi-private training sessions. So for me, that's what we host here. We don't have any more than six people in here at a time unless it's a weekend workout. We'll host however many we want. And we just offer that that one-on-one -on -one coaching experience, but at a semi-private level. And in doing so, I'm able to watch different people at the same time. So as soon as you walk into a class where there's 20 or 30 people, it's impossible to have a coach that sees everything going on. And let's say you have a new person that runs into that class and then you as a coach are focusing on that new person and now the 25 other people or 20 people in that class aren't getting the attention that they necessarily need. So for me, I saw that we had a, a particular niche that wasn't being hit in this general area and we did that and we started offering this program. And I think it works out well. It uh, allows me to pick and choose certain days of the week. So we do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We host different classes throughout the week. Uh, it's six different classes throughout the day on those days. And then we have a like an extremely semi-private where there's no more than four people where it's at a special time during Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, and that's more of a unique, even closer to private. And then we do a private training sessions as well. 
uh, and just a kind of a smaller environment where it's less threatening. Uh, you can get in great movements. You're getting in, I believe, stellar workouts, uh, and that's kind of our our facility that we do. And we're not trying to. What's different about I think our gym versus other gyms is that it's not what happens in here. Like, yes, it's very important. It's good for physical, mental, cardiovascular, all these things that you have going on. You're gonna see um, results, but we promote and try to teach a lesson of each day or each week where we're gonna talk about goals. We're gonna talk about uh, different things that are going on in the world. We're talking about um, phrases like, what are you willing to suffer for? We're coming up with plans and solutions to help each person by holding them accountable. So I only have 30 clients. So I can text each one and say like, hey, how are you doing with your goal? How are we doing with your start, stop, continue? What are you doing? Are you this? Are your injury okay from here? How's the doctor about this? How's your mom doing about that? And I have that very personal relationship with these clients and it's it's a pretty cool experience. Um, is that, do we? I think that accountability is very important. Um, for me personally, it's been that way. Um, I wanna speak briefly to the semi-private classes. Everyone kind of has an issue physically, whether uh, they have a shoulder that bugs them, a knee, back issues, whatever. And so the large group classes, you know, they're a great solution for a lot of people, but uh, for me it was always an issue um, because of that, because I had this lingering knee issue. And um, it's incredible I've been able to, basically like physical therapy, um, develop the muscle structure around it where it's been less and less of an issue over time. Um, And I attribute that directly to that hands-on nature. The thing that you didn't really touch on, but I know it's a big benefit, it's great um, you providing these conversations and really focusing on what are you doing outside of here. And I want to touch on that in a second, but the community and having the other people here as well that are also keeping you accountable, that you're able to unload on, that you're able to kind of struggle together on, this mutual struggle that you go through and how much that strengthens relationships, for me, that's been incredible. And to have that two days a week for me or three days a week for the other classes, I think that's crucial. But I want to circle back to like this idea of not what happens here. I think that's one thing that's great about your messaging is that it's extremely simple doing this stuff, right? Everything that you talk about, there's no like magic bullet. There's no secret sauce that you try to sell or um, make it easy for people and you intentionally go the opposite direction. You say, hey, it's incredibly simple, but I think that the thing that makes it special here is that you have this accountability with you and the other people, it's on the schedule every single week. Um, I think that's, to me, that's been a big benefit. I think the a couple of things that you touched on there is uh, keeping it simple. My grandpa used to say, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. And uh, I think it's a really good way to look at it. And we as a population, me included, um, before I get there, I want to say that I don't believe my gym is better than any gym out there. I won't say that my gym trumps someone else's gym. I won't say my gym or my coaching or my ability is better than a gym on the other side of town. I don't ever believe that. I believe each gym or each running club or group or Pilates or whatever you have going on is best for you and that person individually, what's going to keep them accountable the longest. So find a gym, a place, a movement that you enjoy so much that you will do it for a long period of time. Don't try to find the gym that's going to give you the quick solution. So if you walk into a gym and they're like, I'll get you better in 30 days, that's not what we sell here. People always want me to offer promotions. People also like want me to do all these trick schemes and doing all that. I'm not into that. I'm into getting real people that want to get help. If I wanted to trick you into getting here, that's not the type of person that I want. I want you to want to come here. I'm going to want you to want to get good coaching because I don't want to just give you 
like a, a workout and have you written on the board. You can go online and do that. Yeah. Like I want to give you in-depth conversation. I want to give you great movement patterns. I want to give you things that I learn and not just things that I have, but give you a book, like personally give you the articles of where I read this information so that you can go home with it and you can learn it yourself because you need to learn it through that way you can't just like you did like let's say i motivated you or i held you accountable for the things that you're doing but you still did the work like if i just write what the workout is on the board but then you know why we're doing those workouts i get it that that's a really good place to be because we're trying to teach you that you can do this without me i want to put myself out of business by teaching you everything you need to know like that's all i want uh, which is a terrible business model uh but i don't care but that's so i'm glad you brought that up because um something you haven't really touched on yet is more than it more than a lot of people i know this place is born out of like a bigger mission and i kind of want to hear as much as you want to share about you know developing that mission um what that process went into it and then kind of what that is and how it leads to this approach of i just want you moving like regardless of when you're here or not so we've talked about it before um I would say that the gym would be under the lights or the Instagram is under the lights. A lot of work that the people do that you see are successful that are under the lights, they do 98% of their work in the dark. So if you see someone that you look up to and you see someone that's doing all these things and you're like, man, they really got it. And you see what they do on Instagram and you try to emulate only what they're doing on Instagram. You try to emulate only what they do, what you see them do. They're doing so much more than what you want to do. So Kiera and I, we try to live a life where we're not necessarily telling you what to do. We're showing you how we do it in a way that works for us. And if it doesn't work for you in that way that is okay because everyone has different ways that's going to work for them and so we will take into account what we've done and what we've learned and promote it that way we're not we're not on um like kiera's not on social media posting videos of whatever i don't know it doesn't matter but kiera is a good mother a good wife a hardworking individual and shows great results and has a great relationship with her boss, her parents, her friends, and the people that she cares about. That's way more important than having 32,000 followers, having uh, a, a great outlook that people believe at the, her school that they go to, like, oh, that's Kira, look at her nice car. <laughs> she knows what's important to her and that's all that matters. And so if anything else were to happen outside of that, we take care of this first and then our ripple that we drop into the water, the rock that we drop in the water, those ripples are just the effects of us taking care of ourselves. And I think that's a really good um, way to take care of what, what's within you. And then you yourself will have a radiant. You can just tell when you walk into a room and you see someone that has their stuff together. And you're like, oh, that person, they look well kept. Like, that's nice. I'm like, oh, okay. And then you kind of migrate to that person. So. I'm not saying we're those people. I'm saying that we're trying to be those people and we want to continue to grow and learn and have these um, these conversations and opportunities to do that. So I guess our greater purpose in the whole grand scheme of things is we just want to cultivate community through movement, motivate through movement, uh, and offer a great way that we believe is what we think 
that we need to do. I know it's a weird way to say that. No, that's good. But motivate, motivate through movement. So motivate through movement or cultivate community through movement. We have the Junior Land Sharks program. The Junior Land Sharks program are very fortunate and lucky to have where we get to go into these schools at the moment, not guaranteed, uh, and go talk to these kids. And we are uh, showing them that movement can be fun. And we have, we're using this message of movement to offer different types of endeavors um, and in doing that, it's, it's a lot of people are starting to like emulate that same pattern because they're like, oh, it looks successful. They're showing these things, but what they're not showing is the passion. They're not acting. They're saying one thing, but doing another. And so for us, it's really cool because we truly believe in it. Like there's nothing like we're like, oh, Lucas is fake or Matt is fake. You truly believe in it. You, you can't be called fake because that's who you are. And so I just love to be who I am. And in doing so, I don't have to worry about if I'm trying to impress anybody because it doesn't matter. Like I'm doing what I believe is right. And in doing so, I get to continue doing things that I love. Okay. So let's, you say truly, you kind of mentioned this in passing. I want to kind of see where this kind of came from. And you said you truly believe in it. One thing I've heard you say it over and over again is uh, this feeling of being advocate for the underdog really tied to kind of your feeling in high school as far as you know no one should feel like they can't do something um so you mentioned junior land sharks kind of how was that born and um kind of you know you said something you believe in why is it that you believe in it um so the junior land sharks happened a few years ago i wrote an email to someone up in the district and said, I want to bring not just one running club, because they're already running clubs. Right? I didn't invent running clubs for kids. I didn't invent uh, nonprofits for kids. I didn't invent uh, getting kids shoes. I didn't invent any of this stuff. There are bunches of people, Mr. Jacinto, a bunch of people that already had running clubs. At Larson, they had running clubs. They, Mrs. Jacinto had a running club? Not Mrs. Jacinto, different Jacinto. Oh. Uh, uh, not our awesome second grade teacher. Not our awesome second grade teacher. Uh, but there's other people, and they've worked fleet feet. All these people have already done these things, uh, and they've done it really well. I wanted to do it on a more, like, uh, make it a part of the curriculum where we go and we offer this movement, but it, we have this underlining message of doing hard things for a longer period of time is going to be and feel better than giving an award instantly. So I want them to earn it. Uh, and so in doing that, uh, one way to do that is through running because whatever you put into running is exactly what you get out. So the Junior Land Sharks program started with me working with a person in the district, emailing them, them ghosting me, and then emailing them again six months later, ghosting me, and then emailing them again and just saying, I'm very passionate about this. If you haven't figured it out by these emails, like I'm, this is probably gonna happen. <laughs> like I want this to happen. and. Uh, finally, we emailed each other back. The person I was emailing was super busy, right? So I'm just some random person emailing them. And so I finally got to meet that person, have a meeting with them. They kind of liked the pitch that I gave them. And when I gave them the pitch, I outlined the idea and the vision that I had for it. And so he led me to a different group. That group and I worked together. It was an awesome experience. We learned a lot. We went to 15 schools, went to the bridge program, went to other schools that didn't have the bridge program. And then we got the 381 students that were involved in the Junior Land Sharks program. And then we had 290 show up on race day. And so we had 291 students running a mile and a half at Lodi Lake with their parents, with faculty, with coaches, with the, um, the community at their back. And so this year, they were willing to do it again. 
and now we're going to get it in the other 15 schools and then we're going to offer it to the other schools and so what we're trying to do there is just trying to show them that we one we want you to be part of the team two we want you to do something hard we're going over different messages inside of that eight week to ten week program that we're teaching them certain fundamental and skills that i truly believe in and my wife truly believe in and in doing so we kind of show them that it's okay to feel this way or okay to do this or okay to think differently um, and that's kind of what happened it all i guess you can say started because i was told i want to be a runner and so i want to make sure these kids um, have the opportunity to uh, show their or really feel their true like not their purpose but their true ability like, yeah, like what they're capable of exactly so I, I want them to see that there's a kid that wins he's very fast and then you had the kid who got last place both of them had an amazing experience like at the end of it the person who lost um in his in other people's minds as he crossed the finish line felt just as good as the guy who got first place because i've met and got to hear his story he didn't even want to show it that day, but he overcame his fear of going to that day and ended up running a race and accomplishing it and having the high school students, having the people cheer for him and having him cross the finish line and getting his uh, finisher medal. Like that gives me the chills every time. Hmm. Um, that was more rewarding, right, than showing that one kid that he was already fast. And so that's the drastic difference of something so special. And we were able to offer that with the help of the community and the help of uh, the land sharks and uh, just people out there. So that's what we want to continue to do. And we want to do that for everybody. So I don't know if that kind of answered your question. You know, there's a lot of great nonprofits here in Lodi. I was involved a part of one. And there's this overwhelming desire to kind of help kids. And everyone wants to help kids, help kids, help kids. And, you know, the other organizations here, they're doing a great job. It's not disparaging anyone. They're doing a great job in their avenue. One thing I really respect about Landsharks and the program you've built is what it's doing mentally, you know, for those kids and developing them, not as far as not, you know, just getting anything or it's, it's they're developing and growing. And so that kid you mentioned, now he has um, like a mile marker in his life where he can develop confidence but then has kind of a new identity being molded, like new patterns in his brain being molded by trying something and succeeding. So um, I imagine that must feel really rewarding to see that. And um, I want you to speak a little bit to the kind of the confidence building in these kids and like why that's important to you. Uh, I was super not confident. I think that's a, a weird say, a way to say that. I'm the opposite of confident. Uh, a lot of people assume that I'm very confident uh, just because I'm always happy because I choose to be happy. Uh, but that's not confidence. That's just I'm thankful for life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so as a kid, I remember swimming with my shirt on. I remember doing all those things, going to parties and like not wanting to go take my shirt off, playing shirts versus skins. I was always worried about I'll try to make sure I was on the shirt side. And I was not very confident. And in high school, I got like bullied and threatened and uh, all that stuff. And I was always in a shell. And uh, so, but when I started really seeing confidence is when I started taking care of myself. I uh, started working hard. I started doing things hard in school. I started studying, I started running, I started working out. Uh, and that built confidence over time. And it can be different for other people, but it's just something that you do and you do it well and you continue, even if you don't do it well, if you just continue to do it, you'll eventually get good at it. That builds confidence. If it's 
uh, public speaking, if it's like being on the debate team, if that's being on the in the band, like whatever you're doing, if you do it well and you do it for a long period of time, you're going to build confidence. So with running for me, that's that's what I get out of it. And so I'm trying to do that with kids at all. I guess started for the junior land sharks program when I was taking my kids, I always try to play with my kids. I'm trying to mold athletes. So I make them run barefoot a lot of time on grass. So if you're trying to get better at running, run barefoot on grass, that's it. I'm not saying run barefoot all the time. I'm just saying on grass. Uh, and we went to this park and we were playing tag and we were running up and down the stuff, but there's a group of middle schoolers that were in the middle of the slide area. And my kids couldn't go through to go to the slide and they were all on their cell phones. <laughs> And I'm the, the person that's playing with the kids because I enjoy tag just as much as my five-year-old at the time. And so I wanted to not get it, and I wanted him to be it because I don't want to be it. But I couldn't get through these kids. So I asked the kids, I said, hey, uh, would you either join our game or would you mind moving off the play structure so that we could run through uh, this area? And they were very respectful. They, like, kind of uh, looked up at me <laughs> off their phone. And... Uh, they they moved and uh, one of them kind of looked at me and he goes what are you playing i said we're playing tag and he said what's tag I, I thought he was joking but he wasn't he had no idea he never played tag before and so he jumped on by the end of it 20 minutes later all the middle schoolers that were on their cell phone were all playing tag with my nieces and nephews at the park and that's when i was sitting there and looking around i was like this is something that we need to do like this needs to just be brought to them that we can play have fun do these things um and so that's that's kind of I don't even know what you asked me. I love that story. I've never heard that one before. Yeah, that's that was really cool. Candy Cane Park. It's like in, in these kids, it's like in them to do this, you know? And you just have to pull them out and get them away from the distractions, other distractions. Uh, yeah, and I think the distractions are, I mean, no offense, parents, but it's from their parents. <laughs> um, because they're looking up to what their parents are doing or allowing them to do. Now, I, I grew up in the, in the country. We didn't have a lot. And so I played in the dirt a lot. I played outside a lot. My mom, now looking back at it, was probably just trying to get the house clean. So she's like, go play outside. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> like, I have some laundry to do or something. So I just, I played outside. I remember running in the dirt uh, outside and watching my footprints, how far apart they were when I was sprinting. And I remember the feeling of the dirt and my feet as I was running. I remember the smell of the dirt. That's something that when we moved away, I didn't have that smell uh, that I resonated with. I remember playing and digging holes. I used to dig holes for hours, like dig holes thinking I was going to go to China. Um, and I used to play because I had nothing else. I yeah. didn't have the screens and I didn't have the cell phone. I didn't have the video games. And so for me, that's what I did. I just played outside and I think we need to get back to something like that. That's just my thought process. I could be completely wrong. I mean, you could continue to see results by staring at your screen. I just think if you look at it through common sense and just say, I can have a conversation with a screen or I can have a conversation with a human being. I'd much rather have this conversation than be texting or calling or emailing or anything. I'd much rather have this conversation to talk about these things versus looking at these screens. And I really think COVID and all that stuff, we can blame COVID for everything. I don't, it's not, it's not necessarily COVID. It's how we responded to COVID and how we as individuals allowed us, me included. I got on my phone a lot. I did all these things because there isn't a lot to do. Uh, I tried to run more often. I trained, was in the best running shape in my life at that time. And so I, instead of focusing on my, my, like the screen time or watching sports or doing all this stuff, I was able to kind of separate myself from that. Uh, so I don't know, get off your phones. Okay. So with the land sharks and operation fins up, okay. 
um, where you are right now, what do you need from people? How can, if people wanted to kind of support this or, you know, people want to be involved, what does that look like and what can people do right now? So last year we came across, we, during the race, we had an obstacle. We, the obstacle that we had was we wanted, like you said, there's a bunch of people that want to give money to kids and they want to give them and they want to support these kids. Uh, obstacle that we came across was we had all these foundations and all these nonprofits that were like, yeah, we want to give you money, but like, when do you need it? But I'm like, oh, we kind of, this is a late start. We need it sooner than later. And so one of the things that did is like, okay, well, yeah, we're on board, but we don't meet this month. We don't meet till next month. So then we got to get approved. And then we wait a month and they're like, hey, our meeting got canceled. So we're not able to meet. So you get to go and move to the next month. By that time, it was too late. So then we took it upon ourselves to um, scrounge up some funds so that we can get some kids some shoes. So we were ultimately our first nonprofit of, uh, by asking favors and uh, our own stuff and to get kids shoes. And to us, it felt the most amazing. I remember I called my wife, I was crying because we had uh, made the decision to donate uh, some stuff that we didn't necessarily have the ability to do. But the feeling that we got from doing that was unlike anything I've ever done in my life. And so we're like, we want to do this more often. We want to find a way to funnel money to these kids. And so what we did was we did some research, my wife being a CPA, and going logistically and legally through all the different processes and uh, uh, establishing all these things that she knows all the words to that I don't, uh, so that we can be accredited, so that we are official, so that we do this. We started a board, you're on the board. Uh, we started um, our mission statement, our core values. We have all of our bylaws. We have everything in line. And it takes, it's a long process. And it takes a lot of time and actual money to start these things that are nonprofits. Without having money allocated to our nonprofit, we're using our own money. So the obstacle that we came across was instant. Like we needed money or I needed to get a kid a pair of shoes. I I couldn't. I mean, we would go buy the person's shoes, but I wanted to have funds where we weren't taking away from potentially our kids' shoes because our kids need shoes too. And uh, so that's how it all started. And then we started to realize that during our race that we're throwing for these kids that people wanted to help in that way. But if they were donating to us personally in the, to this business, it wasn't as beneficial uh, unless we had a nonprofit. And so by doing that, we now have this nonprofit where this money directly is only used for those things. Uh, ways that we can do that is we're that sponsor the race and we have a sponsorship packet. And we're very thankful that we've had really amazing people that are already willing to kind of jump on board to help us to pay for the kids' shoes, to pay for the food, pay for the medals, help pay for these things that um, we need help with because when we do the things and we uh, we do it for a certain amount, but we're generally going to have more. So there's always expenses. Um, and in doing that, that, that's the best way. We have this kind of a weird spot. We're in two different places. Um, we don't have our nonprofit at the, the time that this opportunity came up, but there's a company called Carhu, which is a running shoe company, and they started their own fundraiser through uh, Give Butter. And what they did was we have a goal, and they're going to give, they're going to be there with shoes, however many shoes we can afford to buy, and give kids at the finish line a pair of shoes. And so our goal is $5,000 to raise money and and it's $15 for a pair of shoes for the kids. So if you donated $150, you're technically going to pay for 10 kids to get a pair of shoes. 
Yeah. Like that's insane. These kids, when you look at them, some of them are in boots, some of them are in hand-me-downs, some of them are all this stuff. And you can go to the link on our website, you can go to a link on our Instagram page where you can click on it and you can personally donate $100 and you're gonna change a kid's life that's gonna have a brand new pair of shoes. So we're, we're, that's one thing we're doing with this year's race. And also with the funds that we raise with our nonprofit is that we can help with the additional shoes because they only have certain sizes, uh, different types of, uh, like not brands, but different types of uh, ability to, I don't even know what it's called, different types of sizes and shoe types that they can have. So we're going to buy an influx of amount of shoes that we're almost just going to be able to give out these shoes. And I find it very important um, in, in talking about it and sharing it. It's just hard to share all my ideas and thoughts uh, with people because of just things. So, yeah. But so, first of all, you keep talking about the race. Um, when is that race? It's going to be this spring. We I get to talk to to, to be determined on date. Uh, yeah, we're looking at around May third. Okay. And uh, to kind of contribute here, I just want to be clear. Uh, through Instagram, they can find a link to contribute through this Give Butter campaign. Yeah, the Give Butter campaign is through Carhu. Carhu's running shoe. They partner with other different events that are really do good things in the community to get people moving, and they're a big supporter, and so they want to help out in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so you can go and donate there, and you can give a kid a pair of shoes through. And so I was at the last race, mm -hmm. and um, like I'd like to validate the feeling for my son. Um, he experienced that regardless of where he finished. Like. Um, the smile on his face, that feeling of accomplishment was amazing. And it's really fueled it. I mean, to this day, uh, last week he was setting new times on running a mile and he loves it. And I think it's this running thing, this identity came from this foundation that you laid last year, which is amazing. It's very rewarding to see the kids finish this race like this and to see, um, crossing the finish line, what that feels like for the community. Um, if they want to attend this race, it's open to the public, right? Absolutely. And so if they contribute and then they want to be a part of it and see the shoes being given there and kind of get a feel for the place and talk to people involved, um, that would be available. And so just look for the date and location. Yeah, I want as many people there as possible. I want to line the entire course shoulder to shoulder with people so that the kid doesn't go a step without being told great yeah. job or get after it. Uh, if it were up to me, I'd love the bands of the high school to be yeah. there. I'd love the bands to be there playing music uh, so that to motivate these kids. If it were up to me, I'd have, uh, we already have police, fire, cow waste, uh, National Guard, Army going to be out there. Yeah. And they're going to be doing these things, showing these kids what real heroes, role models, first responders, people with real jobs are doing so they can look up to them. Yeah. That's our big goal. So we want people to see real life people yeah uh, so come so come out and so yeah. even even if financially monetarily it wasn't on your heart to do that um if you just show up and support these kids um just being there is going to be a big encouragement yeah, for hand out medals i always yeah. need volunteers yeah. i need people to help park cars i need yeah. help people to uh pass out waters i'm gonna need help people to hand out shirts They're only 15 dollars for a pair of shoes i mean that's pretty cool that's pretty awesome yeah i've car who way to go they're doing big things. Okay, Givebutter.com give, slash yeah. land <laughs> Go to the link. Go to the link. Uh, but I mean, uh, that's just the Junior Land Strike program, yeah. which I think is a great program, and I'd love to see that excel. Uh, a lot of people also want to see their kids. So if there's other running programs, nonprofits, if there's other people out there, go no donate to them. But make sure you know where your money's going. Uh, make sure that you understand what they're doing with it. Make sure that they're good people. Uh, judge them by their character. Uh, and then donate to them. Uh, help them help other kids. There's other people, like you said, that want adopt a child, got kids, 
they have these different foundations where you can go and give them money and they get kids moving. They get kids in science camp. They get kids uh, shoes. They get kids clothes. They get kids toys. They get kids everything you can think of. Um, And so there's definitely opportunities out there. And I'm telling you, it feels amazing to give. Like that's the best thing in the world. You just got to give. Give everything you got. (laughs) Uh, A great uh, mentor of mine told me, uh, you just got to give. I keep giving. I'm like, what what do I mean? It's going to come. And I didn't see it at that time. But I'm telling you, I've been given tenfold of what I have thought I was giving. And I never believed that would happen. So keep giving. It's going to come back. And you shouldn't do it for it coming back. Just know that you should give. Just give. I'm going to say give again. Give. And if you can give, you're going to feel good. And it's good to feel good. Give. Uh, there's a couple books that we, I've read recently, and I've had a, a pretty awesome outlook and uh, on life, and it's really helped me and kind of guided me. One of them being the Bible. It's a good one. Uh, it's always a good go-to one. If you think that blue check markers out there on Instagram or social media or YouTube or whatever are coming up with these really cool sayings, just read the Bible, uh, because those people were saying some pretty crazy stuff about. Uh, some pretty awesome stuff and I took a big hit to the ego when I realized that this was not mine like that was these things that I'm saying are thinking are not mine they have been said a thousand times before for a thousand years thousands Um, and then in one of these books I was reading the book purpose driven life by Rick Warren correct and um I think he wrote in there is to not impress people, but to influence them. Uh, I don't like the word influence just because it translates for uh, people that kind of listen to this are influencers, which is that blue check mark thing. And I have a negative connotation with that. Uh, but with influence as an original uh, definition in my brain is you don't tell them what to do. You show them what to do. That's what influence means to me. And so I'm not, I won't tell you to do something. I'm going to show you what I'm doing and that's how I want to act. And that's just all that matters is what I'm doing. And if I do what I need to do, then it should influence others to do what they need to do. Uh, from the message this past service, we went to, and, and I'm going to change the words because they're not mine. Uh, and it said a big move of blank starts with small acts of obedience. And I left that big move of whatever. The sermon said God. So a big move of God or a big move leading towards God. But I'm going to leave that blank for you to fill in with whatever that is. Let's say if it's becoming sober. What if it's to lose weight? What if it's to uh, get better sleep? A big move of becoming sober starts with small acts of obedience. And I found that very cool. And then he went and... um, established this what obedience means he gave the actual definition of obedience and then he gave obedience is love plus trust plus action and uh when i'm trying to think of a way to give people or show people when they ask me for help or anything in that way um, it takes immediate action so when people will say i want to start this but i'm not going to start till monday or i'm going to wait till after the holidays to start 75 hard or i'm going to wait because i don't want to do it. That's the wrong way to do it. There's never a good time. It starts now. So a big move of whatever that is starts with small acts of obedience. 
a small act of obedience would be that feeling inside your stomach that tells you that this is wrong, that you don't have to hear it, you can feel it. That's an act of obedience. Knowing that as you're about to, let's say, if you're drinking alcohol, put that sip into your mind or into your mouth, you know at that moment, if you're trying to get rid of it or try to get out of it, uh, that's a direct disobey of obedience that you're trying to tell. So I found that very moving. I wrote it down and uh, I think it's something to share. And I think it's a really cool uh, a way that you can think of things so that you can start taking action. And then the love plus trust plus action for me was really cool because I sometimes I love the idea that I have and I do take action sometimes, but I don't trust it sometimes. And when I don't trust it, trust to me means that no matter what, eventually it's going to have the outcome that I want. And a lot of us uh, think about that instant gratification and we don't trust that within a year or within two years, the results that you're going to want are going to be there. We don't trust it because we don't see it right away. So for me, I had a hard time trusting the thing that I was trying to overcome. I was taking actions towards that thing. I love the idea of that thing, but I wasn't trusting my internal or my my patience in that ability. And uh, I mean, I'm learning a lot from these guys. And they also called uh, patience is just long-term suffering or like long suffering is what patience is. I like to say that's discipline. Um, delaying gratification is a great explanation for discipline, but also uh, patience to sit there and Let's say your kid's losing their mind and you're just like, I, just, like I've asked you three times to, to do this and they're not listening. Uh, patience would be to suffer for a little bit and kind of stuff down that anger or realize that that anger is not going to get you anywhere and come up with a solution. And so, I don't know, I just kind of want to touch on that obedience. Do you have anything to kind of say? Yeah, I like what you said. So when you say trust, it makes me think of one of your kind of three rules. Um, and that one is, uh, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, and so I, I just think to, to trust means to be uncomfortable and be okay with that uncomfort, knowing, not knowing the outcome, knowing that, you know, there's something else working in the background that's going to lead to the, the outcome you need, regardless of whatever you're trying to control. Um, what are your three rules? We didn't talk about that. Uh, so rule three incorporated uh, is the name of our business. And I'm going to tell you what I want to tell you uh, about our th three rules, not maybe what's written on our floor. Okay. Um, you get to say whatever you want. Thank you. Uh, like you said is get comfortable where others are uncomfortable. Uh, what that means is when I was running up a hill or hiking up a hill and uh, or in a race or doing a workout, and I was personally trying to beat someone at that thing, and I wanted to be the best at whatever I was doing. I would, when I started to get uncomfortable and my legs wanted to fall off and I was getting tired, I was out of breath, that's when I would say, now I'm ready. Now I'm comfortable because I knew the person next to me was equally uncomfortable. But the difference of my mindset getting comfortable with that uncomfort is the difference that allowed me to potentially beat that person in that event. And so for me, that's how it originated. Because I remember thinking, I in Riverside County, going up a hill, and I, there was a little part, and I remember looking over to my buddy next to me, good friends, and he was had the same look on my face, and we were both hurting. And I smiled. And he goes, like, what? And I was like, I just won. And then I left him. Uh, and so I do that all the time. So that's what I like, to get comfortable 
where others are uncomfortable. Um, the, uh, the other one it started number with number two would be like run hard when it's hard to run. And it correlates to running, but you can use that with anything. Do the hard thing, no matter how hard it is to do it. And so for me, I, I took it as run hard when it's hard to run. It's like when I didn't want to run, and I didn't feel like running. That's when I knew I needed to run. And so that was my second rule. And I knew if I didn't want to do something, that's when I needed to do it. This morning I was running on the track, doing my last lap by myself. And I like to challenge myself to set a time restraint that if I don't hit it, then I need to do another rep or another scheme that I was doing so that I really do it. And I hold myself accountable when that happens. And I remember having a, a conversation where I compromised with myself. I was like, okay, if I get a 124 on this 400, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but if I was at the end of a workout, if I don't get a 124, um, I'm not gonna, that's what I was, I was hitting 125. So if I was, didn't get a 124, then I was gonna have to redo this rep. I was trying to hit it perfectly. And then I was like, well, I mean, I couldn't make it a 125 because I've been hitting those. And I started compromising my head. And I said, no, if I don't get a 120, whatever number I picked, then I'm gonna do it again. Because I started playing that compromise in my head. I started telling myself that I shouldn't do that. So when I knew that I was doing that, I was like, I'm gonna do it. So run hard when it's hard to run. And then the last rule, rule three, uh, is don't complain. Uh, don't uh, give yourself excuses. Don't um, sit here and whine about the things that are hard. Don't whine about how bad your legs hurt. Don't whine or complain about how hard your day is. That gets you absolutely nothing. Like complaining is a waste of air that comes out of your mouth in the form of vocal cords going like this that does absolutely nothing for you. So come up with a solution. I, 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 uh, I talked about these three rules at the running clinic I did for Cal Fire. And I think the only thing that stuck was rule three. And uh, at the end of it, I was kind of watching and they were talking to each other and they're like, rule three the whole time. So it was very funny to, to be there and, and involved with that. Another lesson I learned uh, at that running clinic is you're never gonna impress everyone. Uh, they came back and we got the surveys, which is really cool. And I was very excited to learn about what I had done. I had done some running clinics before. I've done four. I've gone to some really cool places, but I've never been uh, there where I've gotten some pretty much instant feedback from the people that were there that are very highly respected people that really enjoyed the course or didn't enjoy the course. And there was out of those 30, 30 people that were there, one person answered negatively to all the questions. So like, 29 answered, um, very valuable. The person who he was talking about, um, it was worth time, worth the time invested. I would take it again. I will refer it to a friend. Uh, it even said, asked if, was there enough time? Should there have been more time or was there too much time? This person went ahead and said that there was too much time. And so it was a reminder, if I think about this and if I were to go back to this, when I first started out on this journey about a running clinic, that would have affected me. But now what I've come to terms with is that you're never going to impress everybody. You're never. There's never going to be a time that you're in a room with 40 people and you're going to make everybody. There's someone's always going to have something to say. And it was just a good reminder. And I was reading through my email yesterday and I was talking to the head of the health and wellness department and he had sent it and he asked if I had any questions. I said, no, I don't have any questions. I was very thankful that that one person didn't like it because it shows that I have room for improvement. And so I was very thankful for that because now it gives me a little more oomph, even though I wasn't, didn't need any more oomph. Now it's like, I'm going to get you. So I don't know. I don't know if that 
kind of goes over it. It helps you with the rule three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are the three rules. The good rules. Those are good rules. It all started, we've had a garage gym at all of our houses. We invested. We'd never had a space for a car, but we had some space for workout equipment. And we had a whiteboard. If you guys want a whiteboard, go to Home Depot or Lowe's and buy a 4x6 or a 4x8 sheet of, they sell like whiteboards. You can just screw it in your wall. You don't have to pay $200 for a giant whiteboard. You paid, I don't know, $12. And then you screw it in the wall and you have a giant whiteboard. And so that's what we did. And we had that whiteboard in all of our little home gyms. And we had three rules and they were highlighted so that we couldn't. Uh, do there and it wasn't um, it does, wasn't by choice that we came up with rule three incorporated there was just three rules and the number three rule came a slogan for my buddy and I when we did races we'd write rule three on our hands uh, we'd write rule three in a text message as we were about to hit the starting line we always knew when each other would start we'd say rule three and that kind of helped us and so we turned it into a, a company sort of <laughs> so, don't complain <laughs> Uh, between two doors we had touched on it earlier about uh, the theory of what happens outside of this place or what happens outside of the gym or what happens outside of work and i call it between two doors i haven't heard I haven't that word this one i haven't heard this from anyone else so i don't know if i'm making it up right so there's probably some from you there's something in the bible maybe i don't know i've never heard of it so i'm hoping i'm not stealing anyone's idea that's my <laughs> i'm just trying to do my best and uh, if someone has that same thing then good for you but for me it's between two doors not when you walk into these doors it's when you leave the doors that's the two doors that i'm talking about it's the door that when you close leaving the gym or you close leaving your house what are you doing between that time and the time that you come back so for a gym i call it between two doors because you're in here for three hours four hours at most and you're expecting these crazy results you're expecting to lose weight you're expecting to do all these things but it's not what you do in these three or four hours that's going to show you the results that you want it's what you do between the two doors it's what you do when you leave this gym close the door and then at the time that you come back to this gym so it's the same door but it's like two opening and closings of the door Okay, I like that. Um, and so, for example, I had someone that came up to me and they're like, oh, my son needs to come work out with you. He's gaining some weight. Uh, he'll come to your gym and get in shape. I wanted, I, I, I said, hey, it's not going to happen at my gym. He's not going to get in shape because he's coming to my gym. I can help lead him to get him in shape, but it's what he does outside of here that's going to help him lose weight. It's not the workouts here are great, going to motivate you. You're going to burn I don't know, 200, 300 calories, doesn't matter. It's what you do outside of here that truly makes a difference. It's what you do for hydration. It's what you do for nutrition. It's what you do with your stress levels. It's what you do at work. It's what you do with your relationships. It's what you do with your sleep patterns. I don't even know if I said that. All those things have so much more bang for your buck than the hour that you spend in the gym. Plain and simple. So stop thinking that all your results, all your things are going to be changed and solved by coming to the gym. That's not the answer. The answer is outside of this gym. Not just my gym, every gym. If every gym says that I'm going to get you, they're going to lead you. They're going to motivate you. They're going to put you around a community that is going to help motivate you, keep you accountable in such a positive way. But you're not going to get what you're looking for, the results by just doing the gym. That's not the answer. There's so much more that goes into it and people need to take into account. And that all comes back to your mental health. So what you do, what you view, and how you view the things that you do are gonna be the results. It's when you knock down that barrier. It's when you knock down your inability to accept the fact that it actually takes work, consistency, and a long period of time that you're gonna see the results that you want. 
and it's not going to happen right away. And so I just, I'm very passionate about that. I promote that here. I sell that to people when they come in the door. They're like, I'm, I want to get in shape. I'm like, great. I said, you're going to have good workouts here, but you're going to do most of your work outside of here. There's three hours that you hear a week. There's 165 hours outside of here. That's where the true happiness and joy and everything else comes into play. Very well said. This is the place that keeps you on track, though. Well, yeah, I'm not saying that. So they're like, wow, this guy really sucks at selling his gym. <laughs> I think that I have a great relationship with all my clients. I feel that we have a program that I've learned and taken classes on and get workouts and prioritize different types of movements and have a progression that we do that will get you into shape, right? I believe we have all those things. But if you just do that, that's not the thing that's going to get you in shape. It's, that's like the 3%, the 2 to 3%. The, the, the biggest bang for your buck is going to sleep on a normal time. You take care of that, okay, you start seeing a little bit of results. Take care of your nutrition and hydration. Great. You start seeing results, that's in place. Start taking care of um, mental health, your, your stress levels. Find ways to meditate, journal find spirituality, whatever you got to do. You got that? Great. Okay. Now, now we're at the, the working out spot. You take care of the working out. You're going to be healthy. It's going to help with all these things. It's going to help you sleep better. It's going to help you be mental clear. It's going to help you with your stress and it's going to help you want to eat and prioritize really good food and water and all these things. So you have the energy to, um, do well in these classes. And then at the very, very top of that, that everyone tries to, to, to get to that peak of it is like that crazy stuff that they do in the gym. Like they do these crazy workouts. They're moving all over the place, absolutely devastating themselves. That's not it. It's just the simple things. It's the keep it simple, stupid. It's the movement. It's going on walks. It's um, having conversation. It's moving appropriately over a long period of time so that you can live for a lifetime. I think I got better and wiser today. <laughs>